Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast. A little bit different this week because we're in the middle of an international break. So although it's still going to be roughly 60 minutes long, the podcast, it's going to be made up of two sections. Um, The second section will be made up of an interview that I have done with Alex Howell, who is the under 25 representative on City Matters, which is the committee, which I suppose acts as a a liaison or um, a point of contact really between fans and the club. So there are different people on this committee, if you don't know about it, that represent different groups of City fans like season ticket holders, families, et cetera, et cetera. And Alex is the representative of the under 25s. So I'll be chatting to him a little bit later on. Uh, big shout out, of course, to, as, as always, our sponsors, charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, uh, who also deal with uh, the buying and selling of properties. They have a website, charleslouis.co.uk. Have a look on the website and you'll see their contact details and lots of information on there as well. Um, so feel free to contact them and uh, they'll give you advice if you're looking for a mortgage for yourself, somebody in your family or whatever. And uh, they're good people. And even though you might not live in the area that they look after, I'm sure that they'll be happy to to give you uh, overall advice. So uh, give them a try, by all means. Of course, my name is Ian Cheeseman. And uh, the first part of this this podcast is me chatting to uh, a well-known City fan. Now, if you're listening to this podcast in Australia or somewhere else in the world, you may or may not have heard of a TV series called The Royal Family. Jim Royal and his family. And it was written by Craig Cash, who's going to be my guest in a moment, and Carolina Hearn, two comedians and writers and actors as well, because both of them were in it. And Craig played a, a character called Dave. Now, he's also been in a series called Early Doors. He does the voiceover for a TV programme called Gogglebox and so much more. But I know him as a City fan. I bumped into him a few times. And so we sat and had a bit of a chat and he told me about his City fandom, all the things he likes about City. And he surprised me a little bit because he said a couple of things that he, he didn't like about City. Uh, this is unedited. or This is exactly as he wanted it to be. So here is that interview with Craig Cash. But remember, uh, Alex Howells is on the way very soon. I mean, when you were a kid, um, can you remember when, when you first went along and what your earliest memories are? Um, um, well, I remember going to games. I remember my dad taking me and my brothers at a very early age, um, sneaking us over the uh, fence and flat lane to join him in the uh, main stand. But I can't remember what games, you know, the mid, this will be, this, I remember seeing Colin Bell play um, that side, I probably could still name him. Uh, <laughs> let me think, Corrigan, Buck, Pardo, Doyle, George Eslop, Alan Oates, uh, Summerby, Bell Lee Summerby and Nelly Young. Have I missed anyone? You <laughs> don't missed a few there and I think George Eslop might have been a slightly different era. It probably was Watson ah, or right. I'm, Booth I'm at the time. Few. It was yeah. sort of late, late 60s, early 70s and then, you know, to and fro ever since and then work got in the way. And, but, but now... Um, now it's nice to be back uh, going. I'm not like you. I, compared to you, I'm plastic, but, but, but I guess most people are. 
That, that plastic comment is um, something that people use as disparaging. As far as I'm concerned, if you're a City fan, it no matter if you go to one game. I met a game, a guy recently who was at his first game or his third game or whatever. They're no yeah. less City fans than we are. It's just that, you know, some people yeah. choose to go in one direction. I've not been a great actor or comedian. Or, and you've even written and performed in your own show about football, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't write that. That was Joe Wilkinson, uh, and uh, but um, I was in it and directed it and produced it and stuff. Yeah. So you've got. I mean, it's, it's sort of the Jimmy Grimble type. Well, it's in really. your blood, isn't it? If uh, you know, if football's in your blood, it, it's in, it's in your blood. I'm do, I'm just doing a new thing, which, which speaking of football and telly. Uh, it's not about football, but it was by a, a writer called uh, Peter Bowker, um, who did a brilliant thing, if you haven't seen it, called Marvellous about the Stoke City. Can you remember it? About the Stoke City kit man. Uh, a terrific thing. So if anybody out there hasn't seen it, it's called Marvellous. It's a few years old now. With Toby Jones, is it, who played the lead? I can't remember. But uh, that is the best football program, uh, football TV show, film it was really. So if you haven't seen it, get watching it. Sorry, yeah, mentioned I tracked. Oh, it's all right, that's not a problem. You talked about Bell Lee, Summerbee, Neil Young, and I suppose Alan Oakes and, and lots of other great players from that era. Glenn Pardo was one of my absolute favourites. Bucky's still around. How does that, that group in your head yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we're all foggies now. But how do, in your head, how does that compare to what we're watching now? Do you, do you feel the same well, strong identity with the, the team it, now? There's as strong an identity. Oh yeah, but um, I think it's different. You know, comparisons are odious, as uh, someone once said. But they they, uh, they were a magnificent side in, in those days. And we're a magnificent side now, playing completely different football than the Melly Summerby era played. Um, but nonetheless, as effective, uh, well, it's the best. It's the, the it's the it's the best we've been under Guardiola. So, um, but I would have loved to have taken the likes of Colin Bell out of that team and put him in this team playing in midfield alongside De Bruyne and, you know, who, who really reminds me of uh, Colin Bell more, more than anyone when he gets that ball out from his feet in midfield and runs and you just know we're going to get a good ball through and he runs back and two between the boxes and just very reminiscent of the Bell period. It'd be nice to merge them together, but that won't be possible, Cheesy. No, it won't. It won't. I mean, I know you listen to the podcast and for that, I'm very appreciative. Yeah. Um, and you know that we talk about lots of, of different things. I mean, the, the, the way that football is played now is very different than it was back then as well. I mean, it's played on a slick playing surface, crisp yeah. passing. It's all about movement. And actually, when I was a kid, albeit a rubbish footballer, I used to hate it when the ball went up in the air because I didn't want to edit. Now, the ball is on the ground, particularly with City, all the time. Yeah. Do you, how do you compare those two? I mean, did you prefer well, the yeah, one the guts before? Or? It's the first thing. I, I, I like it the way it's played now. It's just so fast and sleek. It's like nothing you've, we've ever seen. Um, 
And that was one of Pep's first things, you know, when he, when he commented what, uh, about it, you know, about British football. He says, the ball's always in the air. What's all that about? Um, so uh, he knew what he, wanted, what he needed to do and he, he's changed how, how they play. And I think he's, I think he's had a, a massive effect on uh, how the game is played in this country. Not just Pep, you know, there's Klopp, there's a few people, but he's spearheading it, really. Uh, you know, they playing out from the back and, you know, just the game has changed completely from, from, from the old days and for the better, you know, and when you watch it, like you say, when you watch old clips of City uh, in the old days and the pitch was a mud bath, wasn't it? You know, and you never, you know, it's, it looks like Wimbledon every week you see it at our, at our place, you know, so... It's coming on, the game's coming on, um, you know, the, fo the football side of things, certainly for the better, I think. And obviously City are doing a lot of winning at the moment, um, and some of the snipers from outside will say it's getting boring. Well, where do you stand on that? <sighs> I think they need to turn up and have a look for themselves. We see things they'll never see. Um, just... <laughs> You couldn't describe it as boring. If that's boring, uh, I don't know. I think they just like to have a pop at City. Um, no, it's never boring. Uh, the they're having a go now because obviously Liverpool are hot on our uh, tails, and you know, trying to chase us down. A big game coming up, obviously. Uh, and the red biased media have already kicked in your Carragers and your Nevilles and your Soonesses. Uh, all think, uh, you know, Liverpool have their momentum and they're going to do it. So the, the storm clouds are gathering around City at the moment. Wouldn't it be beautifully ironic if it was City that walks through the storm with our head held high and weren't afraid of the dark? and walked on to win the league and the FA Cup and the Champions League. We can but dream, cheesy. It's going to be a... It's, I'm really excited for the running. I'm really excited for that game at the Etihad. Um, they are a brilliant team, Liverpool. There's absolutely no denying it. They're, they've got strength in, in, in depth now. Um, and it's just going to be an absolutely amazing game. City and Liverpool will be challenging for everything again this year. And uh, it, it, it's going to be very exciting because it's so close. Really looking forward to it. Seems to have got very toxic between the fans. I know you probably a little bit away from that because I know you watch the home games in the Tunnel Club, but it's been started to get quite toxic between City and Liverpool fans, hasn't it? It gets very toxic in the tunnel club and all, you know, because lots of the away fans are, are, are in there as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of don't go with all that. I, I don't... Listen, I mean, I, mean, I, I made a programme set in Manchester and the character of Jim Royal, which was basically my dad, is a scouser. My mother-in-law is a scouser. Um, so, you know, this, this rivalry, I love the rivalry, it's fantastic, it, it, it's what we go to the matches to see, um, 
but I don't like it when it gets toxic. There's really no need for it from both sides for me. I, you know, that's the other thing that's changed about football. Going to games in the old days, you could get on the train with other opposition fans and it'd be fine. It is getting toxic. Let's hope it. Let's hope it returns. Let's hope that is one thing from the past that that can be, uh, you know, brought back again. You're talking about the old days and comparing them to the new. Um, just just before I ask you a couple of questions about that, what, what's your feeling about this Liverpool game? Are City, um, are got City going to win? I mean, obviously, a win or a draw, as it stands at the moment, depending yeah. on other results, will be enough to keep City above them, won't it? Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tight, uh, tight as in terms of you know, it, it. It could genuinely go either way. Um, we can beat them on their day, on our day. They can beat us. Um, I think we'll do it because it's they—they've kind of we're on the back foot a bit. I know we're one point ahead, but we're on the back foot with Liverpool's momentum, and I think City always play well on the back foot when they think, "Hang on, you know, you think, oh, God, this could go horribly wrong." And it doesn't. I just hope, I, I'm not convinced about Foden being kind of that centre forward role, um, albeit, you know, he's all over the place. Uh, but I think we've got the team, we've got the team to do it. It's just going to be a, it's going to be a superb game. What do you think? I think it's a hard one to call, and anybody yeah. that knows me knows I don't do predictions. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's certainly right that Liverpool have the momentum and belief, but I also have a great deal of faith in Pep Guardiola in terms of him getting them up for a big game. And yeah. you know, I know in the Champions League final they didn't quite get it right, and that's one we still talk about. But um, well, you, you'd like to think you'll get it right for this one. I know. I was. I. Uh... The Champions League, we went went early, you know, I go with my wife and we went early, we said we'll have a bit of a break of it and we went early and we uh, checked in the uh, hotel and they said, I mean, this was about two or three days earlier than the than the uh, the game in Porto uh, and they said, um, hey, you, uh, what, what you're here for, you're just sightseeing and you want a break, so actually we're coming for, we're for the Champions League final and they said, oh, I said, uh, between you and I, so the team was staying at this hotel. And I was like, really? And they went, yeah, 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 the team. Oh, bloody unbelievable. So we got, we couldn't wait and we waited in the bar and the team bus turned up and it was the Chelsea team bus. And we were like, oh, just a typical. And then, um, but all the time when we were out, you could hear, this, the city fans from you know when they, they they kind of took over the the river area down near the bridge didn't they and we could hear so certainly all the Chelsea team could hear because the hotel was just higher up on the valley uh, and we could hear all day the city fans singing all day and all night going on and I, I thought bloody hell I bet these are being wound up these Chelsea team and then yeah well, we know what happened. And then the following day, morning, we had to suffer the indignity of them displaying the trophy on the uh, balcony at breakfast. Put me right off me full English, it did cheesy. 
but uh, the, the players, the, the players were really kind of nice uh, with us. And we said, you know, you've ruined our holiday. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Uh, uh, but they were lovely. And so was uh, Thomas Tootle. So it's football, isn't it? You lose. He did, you know, he, the first game of the year that he, that he played without any defensive midfielders and whatever, you know, it was just this bizarre thing. And he is prone to do things like that uh, for these big games, but I don't think he will this time. I think he knows what his best team are and I think he'll play them, providing they're all fit. This is another one of those questions I ask a lot on the podcast. because City fans can be split on this. Which is more important, winning the league this year or winning the Champions League? If you had to choose. Be nice to have both. Of um, course. The, um, I'd always, I, I always, I, I think the league is harder to win. So I, um, out of the two, I would say I, I would still want the league. But as we haven't won the Champions League, it'd be nice to win that. If we, if we won either or, I'd be delighted. If we won both, I'd be over the blue moon. If we won none of them, oh, blimey. I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> Jump out the window. We talk a lot as City fans about how the club has changed both on and off the field. Is everything yeah. for the better? Do you, do you think that, um, is there anything that you would find fault with? Because there's not much wrong, is there? Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to find fault in what in in how how they run the club. Sometimes, I mean, for me in the hospitality bits, um, it, it's fantastic. I mean, I pay a heck of a lot of money for it, so I expect it to be fantastic. I'm not no I'm not Noel Gallagher turning up getting a bloody freebie. Um, <laughs> hello, Noel, if you're watching, um, but. Um, they do a lot right. Sometimes they, I mean, they do this thing now on um, Champions League nights and they say, you know, uh, we've got the light show on, which is spectacular. I heard you talking about it on your show uh, last week. Um, it is spectacular. I mean, once you've seen it, fine. Um, but brilliant for kids going, uh, superb. But they have this, in the hospitality, they say, you know, uh, we're doing this thing great and the bar's open now till midnight and we're uh, putting music on and this, that, and the, and the, and the mu And we couldn't wait to get out the music on. And it, it's, it's a kind of rave music kind of stuff, which, are, you know, kids love, fine. But there ain't that many kids in there. So I don't think they've kind of read the room properly. Uh, the average age is about 92 in there, not slightly less. Uh, so, and I said, you know, what, 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 we couldn't hear ourselves talk and you want to discuss the match that you've just seen and whatever and have a drink and stuff. Couldn't hear yourself talk. So we ended up going, instead of staying an hour later, we went an hour earlier. So sometimes I think they, they, they don't quite uh, read the room. Uh, most of the things to get right. It annoys me. I tell you what does annoy me, and you won't like me talking about you on your own program, but I'm going to do anyway. And you can choose to edit it out or not. I hope you don't. But 
I've seen you trying to get in for interview. Who was it last week or the week before you who wanted to, you to interview him and you couldn't even get in? What, who was it? Ali Bernabia. And there was, a, there was an incident a couple of weeks before that where a, a guy said to me, I'm taking my eight-year-old father into the uh, tunnel club. Can you come and meet him? He'd love to meet you. And I said, I'm not allowed in the tunnel club. I mean, unless somebody who is, you know, is supporting me sort of invites me in. I'm not, I don't have access anywhere. Well, it might look that way, but I don't. I absolutely find that remarkable that, you know, Bernabe is asking you to, what wants an interview with you because he knows your heritage of city. Uh, and they're not, they're not letting you in. I think is, I think is absolutely disgusting. I think that you should have for, 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 for what you've done for City over the years in terms of PR, you should be treated like a king. I, I, I mean, I know that commerce dictates how football clubs are run these days, but the heart and soul of people like yourself, uh, you know, schlepping up and down in the country and all over Europe and. Uh, you know, keeping us informed and entertained and a big part of the City family. And, you, you know, they should, they, should give you a, they should give you a box and parade anybody through you, you want or a, a, certainly a pass to go everywhere. But, you know, in, in, I, I, just, I just think it's a PR disaster for them to, to exclude you from things. And, you know, I... I if it makes it easier for you, uh, I'm not, because uh, uh, I am having a go at them on your show, but uh, I would I would have lots of the podcasters who, who do it. I would, in theatre, when we, 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 we put on Early Doors Live, a, a theatre show last year through uh, venues, arenas, and all sorts of things. And wherever we went, wherever we played, there's always a row. Uh, that are free for people of influence or who then it is good PR and it helps, you know, they hopefully go back and talk if they like the show and then more and more people come, which you in effect do. So if we can afford putting on a show to eight, 10,000 people, City can afford it. And we know, we all know how much money City have got. So, they can afford to do that. I, you know, I, I listen to all the podcasts uh, and, and, I, and they all bring something different, but I'd have you there. I'd have, uh, what's his name? David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast. Noisy Neighbours, I enjoy. Joey and Maul, they're funny, irreverent, <laughs> good laugh. They should be there. A-San on the 9320. I'm trying to make you feel better now that I'm not just having a go at you. Uh, 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 Howard Hawking, brilliant. He contributes on lots of stuff. I've read his books, brilliant. All these people, yourself included, you've brought us entertainment and information and uh, part of the City family. When, when I've been away and I listen to podcasts and I can't get to the games for one reason or another, uh, you know, just... Keep keep the city brand going, and and you you, uh, you deserve to be treated as such. I mean, and and, and but you especially, but you've been doing it for. 
How long is it you've been reporting on City now? Well, I mean, I started on the, uh, I did the original commentary on video for them, which would have been in the 80s. And since then, either through Club Call, through the BBC for 25 years, through podcasting and vlogging, hosting the Junior Blues, doing forums for them, um, you know, yeah. being the stadium announcer. I mean, I've, I've been in some way connected until the last 12 months or so, and now I have no connection to the club. Um, well, I've, I've been short, doing something. That's nothing short of scandalous, really. It, it, it genuinely is, you know. I think well, the, the other side, I've got to say the other side of this, I don't want this to be a loving. I mean, they will probably see me now as sort of yesterday, as, you know, a legacy fan, an older fan, and everything's now aimed towards younger fans, um, you know, and they want lots of diversity, and I'm not diverse, am I? Um, I would imagine that's the reason now. They're looking for a global audience uh, rather than, you know, the Mancunian audience. Yeah, so but who, guess know, who, who, know, who knows more about City than you? Isn't the past part of the future? I don't claim to know more than... No, than I, I, I'm people. not, you know, but... You, you've been around. You, 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 you've, you, you're up there with Helen the Bell <laughs> and Pete the Badge. Ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I knew Helen used to go on the coach occasionally with her. <laughs> oh, blimey. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think they should cherish people like you. And, and the, as I said, you know, the, 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 the new faces coming along, uh, uh, I think they're making uh, a, bit, a big mistake if they don't. Well, thank you very much for, for your support. I hope they're listening. I think I'm yesterday's man. Um, no, I don't think you are. Don't say that, pal. We need yeah. you. The rest of this podcast, I'm hoping to be talking to um, at least one lad from City Matters about all things off the field. So um, that, that's something that will come up in, in a few moments. But right. just to finish off, Craig, I mean... You know, in, in t forgetting everything we've just been talking about there, it could not be a better time to be a City fan, could it? No, it's uh, win, lose or draw, it's great to be a blue. <laughs> you can put that clip at the end of the show. <laughs> so that was Craig Cash and, uh, and it's undoubtedly uh, true that it is great to be a blue. And, uh, and I know Craig believes that as much as I do. So I promised that in the second half of the podcast, and I think I called him Alex Howells before, but it is Alex Howell, who is the representative of the under 25s um, uh, group, if you like. I mean, that's everybody that's under 25 or I guess 25 as well in City Matters. Um, and it's a chance, because I've never spoken to you before, Alex, to find out a little bit about you, introduce yourself to the City fans. So those who are listening, particularly those under 25, will want to know what you're all about. So um, give us your little bio then. Tell us tell us your background and your history. Yeah, so hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm 22 years old. I have to remember how old I was then, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is always great. Um, but I'm from uh, New Moston, so up in the north of Manchester, and um, I think, I've always been a City fan for as long as I can remember, you know, my, my family, um, you know, I've been City fans for decades. You can see in the room behind me, maybe, um, for, you know, all, all the City memorabilia on the walls. Um, you know, my, my parents have been taking me since I was two or three. 
Um, I remember my, my, my dad was involved in the supporters trust when that happened under taxing. Um, so going back a while now. Um, and yeah, just, um, I think, I always think my hobbies, everything that I do essentially is around city. You know, there's very little that I do that, you know, doesn't involve city in one way or another. So I guess this gets into why I'm involved in city matters. And, and although the under 25s group was obviously the best fit for me, um, I think it's more just about being able to improve the match day experience or just experience in general that City fans have when, they, when they're following, you know, our club um, and, and trying to push the club in areas where they aren't doing as well, you know, as they perhaps should be um, and looking at new areas as well where we can develop things. So obviously uh, when, when politics, I know you're not a politician, but when politicians get into the office, you sort of go, what, why would you get, want to get involved in that? Is it not easier and, and more fun just to be a fan? Um, you know, so, I mean, is it stressful? What, what, why, what makes you want motivated to do this? Are the things wrong that you, you care about or, you know, what, what is your motivation? It's a good question, uh, Ian, really, because my actual day job is in local government, so I do see that um, <laughs> the, the actual politicians in action. Um, and, and I guess it's just being able to be in that room to make you know, the decisions. Um, you know, I appreciate everyone has their thoughts, but ultimately, if, if you're not in the room with City and the people who are making the decisions, it's hard to sometimes make those changes. Uh, and, and I think the number one reason, really, why I wanted to get involved with City Matters in terms of sort of thematic-wise is that you know, I've been very lucky as a young person, you know, having my dad to take me to games, you know, I've built up loyalty points from around just under 22,500. Um, yeah, I know, you know a number of my friends who are City fans who, you know, have gone to games or they haven't gone to games, they might want to go to games um, and, they, and they've struggled to do that, um, especially in sort of the context of modern football with prices, you know, you know going up for tickets and whatnot. So I, I think it's really just to, my main reason was to, to try and, you know, so help younger fans get get to the game and get attached to the thing that you know I I've been able to do, but also I've been lucky enough to have the people to support me to do that. I'm guessing it might have been one of your predecessors, um, unless unless you were doing this, who's managed to succeed to get access to tickets for away games, which is the thing that you just mentioned there for under 25, because I see a lot of them at the games now. Um, so that was before you, was it? And now it's just a case of trying to carry on that momentum, is it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It, it, it wasn't me who brought the 18 to 25 ballot in, but I think it's a good example of, you know, allowing fans, you know, who haven't had the, you know, the ability to sort of build the points up by virtue of their age, you know, ability uh, to access those games. Um, I think for me now, the big push is about home games. I think, you know, and, and this doesn't ju just apply to young fans, it applies to everyone. I think the match day prices are really unattainable. Um, you know, I'm lucky as a season ticket holder. If you actually work out the cost for a season ticket, it's actually not that bad per game. When you work it out per, um, you know, for a single match day ticket, it starts getting astronomical. I think uh, Mark, um, who's also on City Matters, has done some good research on that. And, you know, and shown some examples where you know Brentford might be fifty pound on a midweek, and it's just you know it's ridiculous the price in there, and and that really does affect young people because ultimately it's going to home games where people catch the bug at first. And if they can't do that, then the, the away games don't follow, I guess. Ultimately, though, is that not just supply and demand? I mean, if if people weren't filling the seats, then I'm sure the prices would come down. And as long as the seats are filled, then the prices just continue to go up. So the club, the modern club today, our city today, and in fact, all of the big clubs, just want to get as much money as they can from the fans, don't they? 
Yeah, that's true. And uh, there's sort of two points I'd come back to really on that one. The first is almost the, you know, it's the romantic notion, but it is the club do have a moral obligation, I feel, to, you know, allow the supporters to access the games, you know, in, in an equitable manner. Um, I know that, you know, that applies in the face of the the, the, the blunt modern world. Um, but I think there is an element there. The, the second really is, I think, you know, we often see that there are empties for some, you know, midweek games or less demand. And, and I don't think that's because the fans don't exist. You know, I can remember 10, 15 years ago, there's plenty of City fans who will take those gaps up, you know, but they can't afford to spend, you know, because it's not just £50, is it, for a ticket? It's when you're bringing your kid or you know, your girlfriend or your wife, whoever it might be, your mate, you know, it starts getting to £100, £150. So I think, yeah, City are right. And they're very clever with how they price the tickets. They want to price them at the exact optimum amount that will just about sell out. Now, the problem comes when you play, um, you know, midweek at a poor time, poor weather, um, you know, all these other issues like that. Maybe some a team that isn't in as high demand that the people aren't there to pick up the the slack, I guess. That's not to say they don't exist. It's to say that, the you know, it's not attainable for them. I'm, I'm obviously of an older generation and uh, I, I grew up watching City in the flesh because if I didn't watch them in the flesh, then I didn't see them. There wasn't all this live TV coverage that there is these days. And so, and I certainly don't want this to be a patronising question. It's a genuine question. Do you think your age group um, have a different outlook on whether they attend games or not, whether they're a consumer or not? Or is it? do you think, do you get the feeling that your age group is no different than, than my age group? I think to pick up on what you said before, it's about, you know, how you couldn't see them in the past if you didn't go. And I think that's really the crux of it. You know, if, if you did, if you don't go to the games now, you can clearly still watch City. But on the flip side, all, you know, for all my friends and people like my age who go to the game, when you do go, you realise actually, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot better. And, you know, especially away games, games you know, you know, people people love them and it, it's just having that access to it so I think it's one of those that if you it's it's a lot easier not to go there's no consequence for not going because you can still remain attached to City um, whereas when you do go you realise that it can't you know it's, it, it's a bug that you know you get hooked to so I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure I, I think there is a difference between older generations just because it, as you say the stakes are higher um, if, you, if you're an older age than I am that you couldn't watch the game Um but I think that, that sort of passion still there. It sort of gets in your blood. I mean, you know, once you, you go and COVID, I wonder whether COVID might have affected some people because I'm in the away end at, at pretty much every away game. Uh, and I've noticed that the average age of fans has dramatically dropped. Now, that might be partly because of the distribution of tickets and the way that it's changed. But I also sense it's partly because either some older fans are still anxious about going to games because we're still in a pandemic, but others who may have been going for 40, 50 years or whatever, saw the habit being broken by the fact that they couldn't go to games behind closed doors. And then now thought, this is expensive. This is a lot of me time. Maybe now's the time to stop. How, how do you read all that? No, I totally agree with everything you said there, uh, Ian. I think, it, it's one of those it, because it is such you know it's a drug that you get attached to almost that you don't often consider the sort of um, the prices that go with it you know I think if we all looked back over the years of how much time money other commitments that we've had to miss for City you know when there is that two year break it can put things in 
into perspective, especially when, you know, there's a global pandemic going on with all the, you know, the horrible things that were associated with that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of younger fans have had the opportunity to attend because of that. Um, I think it's a shame that it's happened, it's happened in that way. Um, because you, you you know you don't want to see city fans you know lose that bug um, out, you know when, when it's not down to their control really um, but it is positive I guess to see more younger fans um, in the away end uh, I think I'd like to raise it later as well actually about about the ticket system in general because I know I've uh, done a bit of work around that at the moment. Well, feel free, feel free to do that. But just in, just let me ask you one other question on on this little subject. I noticed that Pep Guardiola has been very praising of the away support just recently, and I wonder if it's because there are so many younger fans going. Uh, the amount of, I mean, I've been doing this for forty odd years, so I, you can see how it changes or how it goes in phases. And I've never known the away section to be so vociferous. Now, as an older fan, I can't deny that a little bit of that. Uh, puts me off because I want to watch the game. And just recently, for example, at Crystal Palace, there were people in the aisles, there were people squashed into two seats at a time. They were stood on seats and a lot of those were younger fans. But the positive side of that is a lot of them younger fans are doing all these singing, all this singing. You know, the, the two things do are related, but I suppose you can comment on all that I've just said. But I also hear a lot of people saying to me that, a lot of the younger fans are, uh, you know, are, are on are drinking a lot and and a bit more sort of outrageous in their behaviour, if you like, um, you know, to the point where I've noticed, for example, you know, the, the Munich's coming into the chanting a little bit more, and there's a lot of negative image coming out from City. So there's pros and cons to all this. How do you assess all that? Yeah, there definitely are pros and cons. I think on the cons, um, you know, quite briefly, I think, as you say, I think coming out of the pandemic, I think people have been a bit more um, unguarded, I think, sometimes. Um, you know, they haven't been as controlled as they might have been previously, and you've seen some of that, um, you know, negative behaviour come out. I think often that's the benefit. Of, to be honest, I think that's one of the benefits of when you have you know such a good mix in the crowd you know you have your experienced city fans who can you know you can sort of put a bit of a check on that you know because like you say with uh, some of the songs that you know ill taste you know no one wants to see that you know it, it's not great I think going on to the positives of it I think I think a lot of it you know I think it's you know, as I've said it's allowed more younger fans to come in and you know they have it helped to make a better atmosphere but I think a lot of it as well just every you know City fan we've been cooped up for two years we've missed some of those big away games you know I think me and my dad when we were going in this is about home game but we were saying you know just imagine how good the second leg against PSG would have been last season at home you know so we're all excited to be back in grounds and especially when we're at some of the more local ones when we've had good kickoff times recently like Everton and Leeds coming up as well I think people have just been more excited generally. I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are, are fans who attend games. Not everybody will. And some people will be from around the world and may only come over a game every now and again. So the next question, which is a subject you've just mentioned about points and, and, and access to tickets, etc., which you can talk about. I should just explain to anybody who's listening. It's quite specific, probably, for people who are you know, regularly wanting to go to away games. But... I saw in the group that you're in, you're, you've been debating, you can give us your opinion on it, the validity of the point system. So where, where do you stand on that and what are you campaigning for? Yeah, so I think 
a bit of a disclosure, I guess, more about myself with the points. You know, I, I'm on 22,400, give or take. So, you know, I, I'm in a pretty comfortable position on the point scheme. Um, and I, I think for me, you know, it shows that the old system could work. And I'm, when I say old system, I'm talking about before the changes in 2019 with no away points and, and, and the 18 to 25 ballot. You know, it, it showed that it could work for younger fans to catch up. Um, you know, I, I was... Um, lucky to benefit from the the pull through system where if an adult qualifies um they can well there was a limited number of tickets for them to be able to you know pull through a, a younger fan who didn't have the points to qualify um, obviously the caveat that goes with that is that you have to have a you know a, 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 a parent or friend or whoever it is who who can take you if you don't then you don't really benefit from that and um, so I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm, my current sort of campaign really isn't about changing the point system drastically. I don't think one member of City Matters can do that based on, you know, a, a limited discussion in a Facebook group and pushing that through behind closed doors. I think, you know, so talking about rolling systems, ballots, ticket points, whatever, I think, you know, it's, it's not the place to, to, to discuss that. There needs to be a lot more research or even, you know, sort of um, research into whether people want any change, you know, let alone... Um, any any changes uh, significant ones what my campaign's about more at the moment is i think the change in 2019 to get a, uh, rid of away points has, has really highlighted a problem with the current system which is essentially that it's it's very difficult for anyone to actually catch up um under this current system and i know that, you know it's, it's often been a complaint about younger fans moaning you know under the old one that people couldn't catch up i think that's a different that's a different comment um if you just allow me to go for a bit of maths and it might bore people a bit. Um, but under the current system with no away points, if you buy your season ticket, you guarantee, and, and all assumptions here are someone's on platinum. Um, if you buy your home season ticket, you're guaranteed your 380 points and you get them not for attending the games, you get them for purchasing the ticket. If you then sign up for all three cup schemes, you're guaranteed um, another 200 points per uh, cup scheme and then however many games we play. If you do that, you, that is the entirety of the points that are available for that season. And, and if, we, if we got to the final of every single competition, it's around 1,200 points. Now, the, the, you attending away matches has no you know, bearing on that. So you could go to no away games and someone could go to 10, you know, who's on the same number of points with you, but they wouldn't, wouldn't gain any ground on you. So you know, that, that sounds, you know, the, the, no real contacts to that, but I, the absurdity of the situation is this for me and, and, and it shows that I'm not really trying to argue this from my own position of benefit. It's more the fact that, so on 22,500 points as it stands now, I'll be buying a season ticket every season, you know, <laughs> health, you know, allowing essentially. I wouldn't have to go to a single away game for the next 70 years. As long as I bought my season ticket, I'd be guaranteed a ticket for United away every season. Yet someone beneath me who was going to every single away game might not qualify for United, wouldn't be able to do so, which it just seems a bit strange to me because it, it's no longer rewarding attendance, really. That that was one of the, the benefits of the old system with the, with the away ticket points was that away points were something that weren't guaranteed at the start of the season. It was, you know, four, five, six hundred points that were there that you had to go to games, you had to buy the tickets to go to Watford away, Southampton, whoever it might be. And once you've taken those out of the pot, there's, there's not a lot of room for people to catch up. So I think we, we did some more maths and I've uh, done a paper for City Matters that if you had 10,000 points and 
and Liverpool this season sold out around 18,000. It would take, on the, in the current system, around eight years to catch up. But that's assuming that not a single person in between yourself and the 18,000 went to a single game in those eight years. So when you actually work out, you're looking at two, three, four times that amount. You're looking at 30 years to catch up to go to Liverpool away under the current system. So I think what my current campaign to get back to the point is really about is just trying to reward you know, actual attendance at games to allow people to catch up. It's not a huge change to the system. It would be something like you only get the points for home games if you scan through the turnstile. You'd still get a bonus for uh, joining up as a season card holder, but you'd only get the 20 points when you scan through for um, Everton at home or wherever it might be. And then there's a few more. I'd be in favour of returning points for away games. I think it's it's more it's more points that allow people to catch up and adds a bit more manoeuvrability into the system. So, so really that that's been a long comment about ticket points and and, and sort of my view on them. But I think to summarise, it's I'm at this stage. I'm I'm not really campaigning for huge changes. It's it's more just about rewarding attendance at games. There's a couple of things I could say to that, or a couple of questions I could take on from that. First of all, uh, the amendment to the ticket point system, as I understand it, of bringing in the under-25s was to try to help them catch up. So are you saying that that, that doesn't really work? In, in part, yes. So when you're 18 to 25, there's that ballot there, that, you know, or, or not the ballot, should I say, the, the points, uh, the, the small pool of uh, tickets that are available. That's great for 18, 25-year-olds that can get to the away game. But as soon as you turn 25, because you haven't accumulated the points because they're no longer there, then you're at the back of the queue with no way to catch up, essentially. Um, another small issue, I guess, with the the 18 to 25 pot is that, you know, I qualify for that technically. And, you know, I have no need to use that pot. So I could be taking a ticket from there when really it's designed for someone on three, five, four, five thousand points. The other thing, of course, is which is the perennial conversation when it surrounds this, is that if we imagine City had a thousand tickets just for simplicity of numbers for an away game, we know, I don't know the exact numbers, though people have told me different variations of this, that it might be, and I'm just making figures up here, it might be that 15% go to the under 25s, 10% go to corporates, 5% goes to players and or whatever so many percentage to go to travel companies, so many percentage go to points, clearly the biggest number. Uh, and that is always a bone of contention, supporters clubs get one. Uh, is that something you're getting your teeth into as well and have a view on? Yeah, so it, it, it's a piece of work that we're doing a bit more widely, I think, uh, with Mark, who have mentioned there. Um, the, there's a few things, really. I think... <laughs> A few of the allocations potentially have a, a bit too much in there, but I mean, that's you know, a bit more detailed work needs to go on about there. The biggest one for me, and this is something where I actually give United a bit of credit, is that there's no transparency about where the tickets are going. You know, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that United put on, you know, when, when they released, uh, released the criteria for away games, they'll say, you know, X amount have gone to this pot, X amount have gone to that pot. And at least if you have that clarity of where tickets are going, you can be a bit more confident about you know how much chance of a stand because a lot of fans will see 3,000 tickets at X away game and that's the number that they'll be going off. Whereas actually, if you're trying to get one through the point system, it might be half that, it might be a third of that. And the more general question I'll ask you now, because we've gone into the point, unless you want to say something else about the points, but I think we've sort of covered that, is the sort of scepticism that some City fans have about 
City Matters generally. I mean, I've talked to Mark quite a lot, Adam, who used to be on City Matters, um, different people who've been involved in that, Alistair, who, who's been on the podcast a few times. I know that you're all people, genuine people, and I can tell from talking to you, I can tell talking to them, this is just my view, not everybody will agree with it, that you're genuine people motivated for the right reasons. The scepticism from the outside is that, A, the club just pay lip service to it, and say, oh, yeah, that's great, thanks very much, and then just ignore you, or that, that you're involved in something behind the scenes that just creates a nice little reward to nest eggs for yourself. So what do you say to the sceptics? Um, uh, uh, two comments, I think, first. The, the first one is that I'd hope that people, you know, today, and, and they've heard me talking about really changes that are actually detrimental to my own position in the point scheme, would, you know, recognise actually, you know, I am trying to, you know, to, to, to improve the lot in, in the most sort of rational way that I can, you know, the changes that I'm putting forward in terms of ticket points, but more widely, you know, aren't there to benefit myself. Um, so hopefully people can see that. The second one is, is that I think, you know, I, I can understand that scepticism. I think first and foremost, you know, we've had issues or to establish frustrations with the club over things like minutes um, and, and being a bit more proactive with information sharing with City Matters. And, and I don't mind sharing that with people. You know, we, we do have those frustrations. And, you know, this is looking at it from an outside perspective, if you don't see those minutes, you don't see, you know, here's what City Matters have done, then it is, it's, it's very easy to be sceptical about that because, you you know, essentially what City Matters doing if you can't see that that evidence or that, that governance around it. So that's something that, you know, we're really pushing the club to do and, and we're trying to hold them account to that. Um, well, and let me just, sorry to interrupt you, but are you able to therefore speak freely? Did the club ever say to you, you know, what, what we talk about in this room can't go outside this room or there's certain information that we're giving you that you can't tell other people? Or are you able then to walk out of that room with or without the minutes and actually have this conversation with people like me and tell, tell them exactly what they've told you? So, so there are certain items that the club, you know, don't want sharing. That's when it's sensitive, you know, and, and often that'll refer to commercial and, you know, um, some, some more sensitive information. I'm pretty sure most people would be, you know, fine with that not going out. Generally, they are quite, you know, um, forward in sharing information with us. Um, but I think it's just that it's that record of having it on paper. because It's all well and good. You know, I can, I can tell someone on a podcast or a message on a forum. It, it, it really needs to be an official, you know, page on you know, um, the city website, essentially, you know, that, that's not just coming from a city matters perspective, that's something that you'd expect, you know, in my day life in local government, any business, you know, anything like that, it's the governance around it. And because there are some weaknesses there, I think at the moment, it, it does sort of, um, rightly, uh, people can question, you know, the legitimacy of the group. So um, unless there's something else that you want to talk about, and by the way, you perfectly welcome to come on the podcast again at any time not necessarily to talk about city matters but just to talk about city because we're not doing much of that now i'll ask you a question about city to finish off with in just a second but unless there's something else you particularly want to talk about um then i will ask you a couple of city questions so is there anything that you you want to tell the people who are listening to you now I think it's just a bit of a plea really to get in touch with me you know whether that's about the ticket points items that we spoke about today or just more generally you know I think I have an email on the City Matters website and you know I appreciate for younger fans you know email isn't the most uh, traditional form of media that they'll get in touch with me but you know 
just do get in touch because you know ultimately you know, I'm here to pass on your views and and try and get them to the club in the most appropriate way. So yeah, just a bit of a plea to get in touch, really. And and do you want to give out your email address now? Yeah. So the email address is uh, Alex at citymatters.co.uk. So simply on Twitter, on social media. Uh, yes, yeah, so on Twitter, my username there is double underscore Alex Howell. Double underscore Alex Howell. Okay. Yeah. And not Howells, as I introduced you a little bit before. So Quite. just to make that clear. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, okay. Right. So obviously now you will just finish off by talking about a little bit of football. <laughs> um, you are under 25, so you've only ever seen success. Um, do, do you worry about success going away? Do, do you feel, and it, perhaps this is an unfair question to ask you because you don't know the thoughts of everybody under 25, but it, it sometimes, sometimes we discuss this on the podcast. Are under 25 spoilt? Are they too expectant? You know, when, when just something slightly goes wrong, do they all start moaning? Or is that city DNA, which those older fans have in, instilled somehow in you as well? To, to be fair, I actually did catch the uh, end of the. Uh, I don't know if I'm lucky. It's it's lucky to say that I caught the end of the uh, the doldrums, so, so to speak. You know, I remember um, you know one of the only city fans in my class, and this is you know I'm talking about Manchester here as well. So it's not like you know I'm from miles away. You know where you'd expect there not to be many city fans. Um, and I remember one of my uh, one of the defining moments. I remember being uh, away at Wigan when I must have been three or four, four nil down at half time, crying at my dad asking to leave, uh, and. Firmly told no. Um, so, so yeah, do, do a bit of perspective on you know what City have been through, uh, but clearly not as much as you know older fans as well. Um, so, in terms of will the success end, um, I guess your know, football works in cycles, doesn't it? Really, and you know, as certain fans that have you believe certain teams are destined for success, ever, you know, forever. They're not. You know, one day City won't be as good as we are now. And and for me, that to be honest. Um, from a sporting side of things, obviously, you know, I care about that, but will you know, will it change anything? No, not really. I'll still be there, you know. I often say, um, you know, my, my, the most enjoyment I get out of going to watch City is the people you go with, the places that you see. So if that's in, you know, Division 4 or the Premier League, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think in terms of the second part of the question about is it expectancy, and I'd say, you know, obviously, as you say, I, I don't know everyone's opinion, but I think, you know, it, it really does vary. I think, you know, people have become conditioned over the past 10, 15 years to you know, expect that. And when it doesn't happen, it, it can be a bit knee-jerk. You know, at times I think I'm probably guilty of that as well. So, I've, yeah, I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? But that I'd say yes and no is probably the answer to that. And I know that's a cop-out um, of an answer no problem. I, I understand that you're a politician as well. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm politically neutral as a, a local government <laughs> officer. <laughs> when we come back after the inter international break, City resume with a trip to Burnley. And then, of course, as you know, it's Atletico, Liverpool, Atletico, Liverpool. And it looks like in all three of the competitions that City's still involved in, it's possible they couldn't play Liverpool and still win the Champions League, of course. But it, it, it could even be that Liverpool are the barrier there as well. Um, how do you feel? Um, do, do you feel nervous? Do you feel excited? Are you worried? I mean, where are you as a fan? 
I'd have to say nervous, but I think you know most people would be kidding if if they didn't say that. Um, it, it's you know it's it's my view as a football fan, it's my view as a City fan. You know, just as a bit of a link to that, you know, when people look back at the end of the eighteen nineteen season, and say what a great you know end to the season it was. Great saying that now. At the time, I hate I hated it. You know, you know, so it's the exact same now, I guess. But um, so to add to that, you know, as one of the best teams on the planet, you know. Playing against those top teams is, is what they're trained to do. It's what they're good at, you know. So I, I have confidence that you know when we do play Atletico, when we do play Liverpool, however many times, you know the team will be ready for that. Pep will have them ready for that. And you know we've seen that we can, you know, uh, beat the best. You know, especially last season we put it together in the Champions League. So I think you know we can do it. It's just you know. It, it, as Pep always says, it comes down to very fine margins on the day um, and, and hopefully they'll sort of fall our way. Well, enjoy the rest of the international break and um, we await what comes. Uh, so thanks very much, Alex, for, for talking to me about what you do. And as I say, you're more than welcome to come back on again and talk about what's going on at City Matters or just come on as a City fan and talk about how you feel about the, uh, the world of City, which is what we all care about. Um, thanks very much to, to you for listening, to subscribing, to retweeting and doing all that sort of stuff. And to charleslouis.co.uk, who are the Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, very much appreciate your support. So we've heard from Craig Cash. We've heard from Alex Howell. And next week we'll return on Sunday evening. Uh, that is the recording time. Uh, that's UK time as well after the Burnley game uh, the previous day. Let's hope by then, as we count down to Atletico and Liverpool and everything ahead of that, it's another victory under our belts and, uh, and City are, are well on the, on the way. But boy, have we got some exciting times to come. Thanks very much for your support. Thanks for listening. And remember only one thing, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, it's great to be a Blue.